Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. Today I had the very special guests, Dave and Angela Dennison, owners of Laughs Comedy Club in Seattle. This was a really fun interview where I learned a lot regarding how to run a comedy club, how comedy club owners choose lineups, uh, how they advertise and fill seats, and just a lot of things regarding the business that I didn't really think of before. So this is a very insightful interview for understanding how things are done in a smaller uh, comedy scene. Uh, just a heads up, Dave has cerebral palsy, so don't be alarmed if some of his speech sounds a little bit slurred. Uh, also, the sound quality in general isn't the greatest in this episode, so if you can move past that, it's really great, and I had a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. So, hey guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Hey! Today I'm at Laughs Comedy Club, post-open mic, with Dave and Angela Dennison, the owners of the club, and I'll be interviewing Angela today. Yay. So, hey guys. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. How's it going? Good. Thanks for agreeing to do this. It was You're really welcome. cool. So, Laughs was one of the first... Like open mics I've been to in Seattle, so I'm super grateful for being able to meet with you guys and talk about this. Oh, fun. Okay, we like having you here. Yeah, so um, first, uh, kind of a generic question, but how did you both get into comedy? Uh, I went to a show that Dave was the booker on. My sister actually invited me because she was um, starting to date someone who was a regular audience member. And she wanted me to meet them. And at the show, apparently, um, I walked into the venue and Dave said hello to me. And he said that I told him to fuck off. Can I swear on this? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he approached me after the show and gave me his phone number. And I ended up, um, we went on a date. And that's how I got introduced to Dave. And then he had, Dave had at the time, a regular weekend gig at the... um, Bellevue Doubletree Hotel was every Friday and Saturday night. So being that was my night off, I would go with him to the shows, and that's how I got introduced to stand-up. Wow. Did you ever do it yourself? I've been on stage a couple of times. It's uh, not my cup of tea. So mostly behind the scenes. Yeah, Dave, um, I feel like you have to have a need to be on stage and an audience, and Dave says I'm the funniest woman he knows, so I already have my audience. I don't need to chase it on stage. Oh. How did you guys transition from stand-up comedian and accomplice to starting a comedy club? What was that transition like? Well, Dave had went to uh, college for a restaurant business hotel in uh, Cal Poly, uh, Pomona in California, and he had managed other comedy clubs across the country and also worked in the restaurant business. We were kind of frustrated by the staff and how things were ran at the hotel bar so Dave's like I think we could do it better in our own like brick and mortar location so we actually spent together um, two years driving around looking for something on the east side because there was a void in the market on the east side and that's how we found Dave actually drove past the old location in Kirkland and saw that spot and arranged a meeting wow and we start and we did an SBA loan so what's that how does that work the SBA loan? Yeah. You put up a portion of your own money. You apply it to the federal government for the other 
amount that you need and it's a, a huge like 120 page document you put up your house or whatever collateral you have and uh, you get money and then you have to pay it back wow so what kind of what went into the decision making process of starting a you know comedy club versus another type of business well i think that there was a there was a void in the market on the east side um so that was one thing and it was something that since dave had done stand up um there was a lot of connections already in play and we really maybe idealistically thought that we could do something better than what was being done currently and um we could bring something to the market I, we honestly thought it would be super easy, and it's super hard. Yeah, wow. So how long was that comedy club around? What? And this is the From Kirkland 07, Laughs, right? Yeah, 07 to um, 06. June of 06. Wait, what? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, so 2007 to, sorry, uh, 2016. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, June. Yeah, yeah June. That June. was Kirkland, but Bellevue was we had it from 1998 till 2006. Yeah. So this is the third iteration of the club. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So I'm just so I'm curious about a lot of the questions that go into, you know, the logistics of the club. Okay. So for example, how do you decide, you know, how to book headliners? Well, there's a number of different factors to booking a headliner. Um, one will be that we have um, agents and managers that we work with that we're on like an email list. So they'll send out an email list of available comics and we usually open each one of those emails, look through and see who's currently a client. Um, and then secondarily, get A client of who? Like a, the agent will be an agent might have 10 to 100 comics and they'll send you a list of who is doing current club work. So I'm going to use this as an example. Paul Reiser wanted to go back in to do club work. Mm -hmm. So he's not, hasn't done stand up in a long time, but wanted to get back into stand up, wanted to do club dates. So they'll send an email to all the clubs and ask if anyone would be interested in having Paul Reiser. And then you start the negotiation if you want to have Paul Reiser as an example. Interesting. So that's one way. Once you be friend or have a relationship with an agent or manager, they can actually work not only on the agent on the comics behalf, but on the club's behalf. So if you were represented by an agent, your agent would be working for you. But we the club are also assigned an agent. So our agent might also say, hey, not only do I have my own client that I signed that I'd like to have in your club, but by the way, we're on the street, this person's a hot commodity, they're selling tickets, I think they'd be a fit in your market, would you like to take them? And they uh, back, they compile data on their clients so they know how tickets are selling, so they know if someone's like, hey, they're about to get a TV series, or they're selling clubs, the podcast is taking off, or they're opening for somebody else on the road and they're getting a lot of heat and stuff is about to happen. It, that's a good person to get in the club early. Interesting. So how could a young aspiring comic position themselves to being marketable for from a club owner's perspective? Um, have uh, Be funny. Be good, good, can. 
Yeah, be have a point of view. Be like, make sure everybody's so like great about it. Yeah, being like likable on stage, building a fan base and an audience so that you can be somebody that a club can see. Because ultimately, this runs as a business. So how can you contribute to the club? Mm -hmm. um, so either you're going to be so funny that you're going to knock the audience's socks off or and you're going to draw people in. And that's what and then you're also going to get taken notice by agents and managers who are also going to see that about you and want to represent you and sell you to clubs across the country. Interesting. Do you feel that a lot of your headliners bring in uh, people from around there, like people recognize these people and Absolutely. come to the shows? Absolutely. Is that part of the, that's part of the process? Yeah, yeah gone are the days where you could just have any comic in a letter or room. People want to see who they yeah, and there. That's why on our website there's a clip, a YouTube clip, of each comic that's coming, and it's critical. Like if we can book somebody with a Conan or a late night set that has a good um, projection of who they are on a late night clip, it's easier when someone comes to the website. Cause I do hear from customers, hey, I wanted. We know we wanted to see stand up this weekend, and we looked at the club websites, and this comic online looked the best to us. And so that's a coup for us because we've chosen a good video that represents the comic well. That's interesting. So do you think a lot of people already know the comic or are going to the website, seeing a clip, liking them, and then coming? Combination of both. So yeah. they, might, they might already have a following, which helps the base of the sales, and then add to that a, a good clip. Um, will also get people to come out. But like Dave said, gone are the days of people like, I just want to go see stand-up. I think I'll walk in. Uh, they want to feel a connection to the comic. Wow, interesting. So how do you how do you quantify a comedian's following? Do you leave? It, is it mostly up to the agent, or do you do any research on your own? We do some research um, on our own. I might look and see. Somebody will send us like an email saying, "These are my clips." You go, how many Twitter followers do they have? What are they part of? You know, do they have a, a successful um, media online presence with? like a podcast or something like that, or are they on a, a TV show that represents them as a comic? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will say, well, I have a TV credit, but if they're an actor and they're not funny on the TV credit, it's very difficult to translate to getting people to come see their stand-up. So like a last comic standing person, people connected to them throughout the show, and that's a good person to have um, come to the club because people know what to expect. Yeah, that makes sense. So mostly social media metrics and TV credits that are them doing stand-up and not just random yeah. acting or something like that. That's cool. Uh, so how, do, how does that network uh, work amongst club owners, agents, and managers? Is it just everyone in the country? How do, how do you it's, get on this list? What is this elusive really, list? We trust. Not only trust, like, three people. So, and look, Keith and TJ. Um, there are club owners that we keep in touch with, like Keith, uh, Dave and Keith have been friends for longer than Dave and I have known each other, so like 25 years or something, and he has three clubs in Salt Lake City, so he might call and say, hey, I just saw this person, um, they were not only were they really funny, they sold tickets well, I would recommend them to you. Also, um, 
you know, Pat Wilson here in Seattle books a lot of gigs in the Pacific Northwest. She'd be another person that if she made a recommendation, we would look strongly at their clip and um, kind of compart with that. But we're not um, we're not super close with a lot of club owners. Um, we might see them at festivals and things, but you typically have more of a relationship with an agent or a manager. And um, okay, so there's like little clicks in the network. It's not just like this universal well, giant network. Us. Yeah, We're I don't know. Yeah, and I we I mean we definitely talked to Adam and Tacoma. I mean I don't feel uncomfortable calling him. Like if uh, comics might say, well you can call this club owner in such and such area and get a rep, um, they'll vouch for me. But it doesn't always translate because Seattle has a, a different market than say Kansas City. Yeah. Um, so you have to also take into account where they did well in. Um, and then, you know, the New York clubs are kind of a breed of their own. And, um, yeah. How much do politics come into play, for example? Like, because you mentioned, like, Seattle and Kansas City obviously have a very different audience. Uh, do you ever find that you can't book some comics because they're polarizing one way or the other? Well, here's how we look at the club. If you own, to use an analogy, say you owned a Forever 21. You would buy things that would go in a Forever 21. If you owned a Spencer's Gifts, you would buy things that go in Spencer's yeah. Gifts. We own a comedy club in Seattle. So I think the demographic here in Seattle is pretty clear. We have a, a young tech industry. We have some established Seattleites. Um, it's a little, it skews a little liberal. Um, it's very diverse in um, like a pan-Pacific Asian population. Those are all things you're going to take into account when you're purchasing. You're basically buying someone to represent the club. So you want to, you don't want to have a comic here that would not appeal to the market you're trying to appeal to. It's like swimming upstream. Yeah, so totally. You you have to take your own personal opinion out of it and purchase for your market uh, now that being said there are some times where in Kirkland where we felt more established where we could push the envelope a little bit and that's what comedy does is it expands people's ideas through humor so sometimes we would book someone that might push a few lines and that's good for the audience they need to be pushed a little bit um, yeah totally but that you would the, the back side is you have to ask yourself, is this going to be a fit for this market? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, what's the typical structure of your show system here? So how many shows do you guys have? And how- We're currently open Wednesday through Saturday. Wednesday's always open mic. Thursday is a, a mixture of self-produced shows. Some are produced by the club, but we try to do mostly outside produced shows on Thursday, so we kind of save that spot. And then Friday and Saturday are weekend headliners. We prefer to use people with national TV credits, um, but we also like to use local comedians uh, because there's a, a need for that in this market to have the local headliners or someone who's kind of... Dave likes to move someone out of that feature spot into the headlining spot a little earlier on the weekends, like in, in a slower time where we can give that opportunity to that comic. That's cool. So what kind of advice would you give to a comic that, you know, wants to get into your guys' shows, for example? So where would they start? Um, they Be would... nice. 
Be funny. <laughs> Have friends. Cool. The I, three. Yeah. <laughs> the rule of three. Uh, I think it's important to have some sort of likability factor when um, you're doing stand-up. Um, some comics are a little socially awkward, but most of them find a workaround in stand-up. So I would say that, um, you know, coming to the open mic and putting some time and energy into it, whether that's, I would say most people say they're going to blow our socks off. Like, I'm going to blow your socks off. Well, I'm, look, I, we've had some really amazing comics here, so that's a little presumptuous to say as, like, I've never done stand-up or I just started off and I'm going to blow their socks off. You're not. So let's start with the other two that you could do. Be likable. Uh, try to find some friends that might want to come to see the open mic. Promote it a little bit on uh, social media. And, and get inflatable socks. Get inflatable socks. Uh, that, that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, good thing to bring to the table. And um, you know, then when you're here, just work hard. I mean, sometimes people come to the open mic and do the same joke they've done over and over again. This is we I think one of our the open mic is kind of a point of pride for us is that you know we we're looking for people that are here to better themselves. So if you're if you're looking for a pathway to the club, that would be what I would suggest. Is there's always a way to get pretty easy. So how how do you, how does one guarantee a spot uh, at the mic? Say someone's coming and they're relatively new. How could someone? Is there a guarantee or is there a, a rule of thumb? How could someone get up at um, the open mic? It's not. I wouldn't say that there is going to be like a flat out guarantee, um, especially as a new comic. Um, Again, Dave always says, out of sight, out of mind. So if you show up once every two months and you want a guarantee spot, it's probably not going to happen. If you're here on the weekends, we see you, you start coming to every open mic, you, and you're funny and you're working at it, there's a pretty good chance you're going to progress. Mm -hmm. uh, again, and also that you're comfortable to be around. You know, yeah. Um, some people are very demanding and it makes it uncomfortable to be entitled. Yeah. Kinda. What kind of advice would you give to some comedians that are more naturally introverted and maybe like it doesn't come as easy to them to be charismatic and friendly? Well, there's, there's well, all, uh, okay, not that friendly is part shit of it. or get off the pot, you know. <laughs> That's you want to be funny or not. If you don't want to be, don't waste your time. An introvert doesn't mean rude. You can still say hello. You don't have to be the life of the party. Yeah. You can still greet everybody. Hi, Angela. Hi, Dave. Hello, Nicole. Nice to see you. And go over and sit in your notebook and do your stuff. Um, to be successful at comedy, you're going to need some social skills. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to interact with people after the shows. There are very few comics that are weirdos that are super successful. There are a handful and they stand out because you can see that, but yeah. you're gonna have to break those boundaries down. Again, it doesn't mean you have to be the like the life of the party. You can still be pleasant. Yeah, true. I mean, I have tons of introverted friends who would just rather not be in social situations, but a, typically a way around that is almost becoming selectively extroverted, I've noticed. Like just in certain situations, just making a point to you know get out of your comfort zone and be friendly and yeah. greet people and you don't have to be 
super chatty, you can just, hello, thank you, I appreciate the time. Appreciation goes a long ways, I thank you. Um, you know, uh, pleasantness to the staff, you know, hey, I wanna buy a soda, if you're not a drinker, awesome. Um, or I just wanna have a hot tea, yeah. Don't buy hot tea. I hate hot tea. <laughs> um, or you know, just something where you're interacting with people, um, and it will also help your comedy because you can observe those reactions that people have to you. Yeah. And that will help your comedy long term to have some social interaction. Okay, so that makes sense. So for the open mics, not guaranteed. Typically, just I notice that you typically have to bring people the first few times. Mm -hmm. It That's seems correct. like. Yes. Just to kind of like show you're serious. Yeah, there's, there is, there are many comics working in Seattle right now that legitimately need practice and stage time. And that's what an open mic is for. And people that want to try it should put some effort into it. Um, yeah, they need to bring people because otherwise that spot should go to someone who's legitimately in need of working on a bit. Totally. Uh, how do you guys choose people? So that's that's the open mic. How do you guys choose people to get on the weekend shows? You get um, spots on those. Weekend shows are people that are ready to move on to an audience that's not an open mic audience. They're going to be expecting a little bit more. I um, get a lot of requests to work with certain comics. That's true. Yeah. So a lot of um, so how we so like for example this weekend we have Amy Miller coming. And there will be several comics that are fans of Amy that would like to be on the show. So they might contact us through Facebook Messenger or stop by at the open mic and mention, hey, I'm gonna, I'd am gonna, i love to be on Amy's show. And if they're a, a comic that is, a, I would call like a working comic or someone who's taking this seriously, not someone who's never done it before, yeah. but someone who's in it that's working it out right now, then they would like to have five to ten minutes on the weekend. Um, they can go on the weekend show. So we usually uh, invite people down from the open mic. We might mention people that are progressing. Hey, come and try the weekend uh, weekend show. And we try to keep those sets pretty tight, mm -hmm. seven to ten minutes. Do people ever just show up? All the time. And that then you just have a maybe a small chance. Yeah, and so if there's there's uh, maybe you know, uh, if you're funny, you have a great chance. That's true. So if you're funny and you're somebody that we know, and we also get a lot of um, a lot of emails from comics that are coming into town to do something else, another show, or they're here for work, and they would also like seven to ten minutes of time. That takes a little bit more filtering because we have to see how legitimate they are. We have to look at clips and see if they're, you know, just yeah. vet them a little bit more. For sure. That's cool that you give people that opportunity, like coming from out of town. Uh, how do you guys decide on the lineup for your shows? What's the do you have like a formula for your lineups? I What's basically magic? can't know where everybody is at in my mind, and then I base it on experience, funness, all that type. It's a little bit of a mad science on that one. It's like a, a gut feeling that Dave has for you want to put maybe someone who's a little less experienced more towards the top. Um, someone who's got a little bit. So the show has 
the show should have a, a feeling of a build and an escalation. So you want to kind like an of orchestra. Yeah, you want to escalate the comics. So people are getting situated. The host welcomes them. The first comic might be not the strongest, but uh, still a spot. And also sometimes the comics might want to say, hey, I, I want to go up early because I have to get to another spot, which is totally cool too. Um, and so there might be a little bit. But I think in Seattle, there's, you know, usually the person that is going to be the strongest kind of stands out. Like, you know, uh -huh. like they've been at it a while. They know what they're doing. So what spot would maybe the strongest person who's not the headliner go? Uh, probably up at about... Right before the headliner. Yeah, they go right before the headliner. So at that 8.35 mark or 10.35 mark on the weekend. Okay, cool. Um, so do you guys alternate between like... Because some comics have like pretty extroverted, loud energy and some are more like timid and like deadpan. You know, uh, really... I gauge the audience, and then I know which comic would be better in either shift the time in favor of the other comic or vice versa. If you've got a rowdy crowd, you need a lot of energy up top because you need to get their attention early. And so if you've got a more mellow audience, usually the Saturday at 8 is more mellow. You can ease them into a comic that's a little, uh, needs a little bit more focus. It's a little quieter on the mic. Mm -hmm. They'll be more paying attention. But if you've got a drunk crowd that's at the late night show, you're going to need a lot of energy up top. Yeah. Wow. So that comes to an interesting uh, type of performer, the host, right? You guys mm -hmm. obviously need a strong host. How do you, one, how do you choose your hosts for your show? How does that work? Uh, basically, your uh, people want to move up. So somebody that Dave sees some sort of um, promise in, something that that we can do because the oh the MC spot is going to have a little bit more coaching than any other spot. So there's going to be more interaction with the headliner, more coaching, if you will, on. The host would be somebody that we're kind of taking under our wing to progress up so they can come into the club on a weekend or anytime, do a quick 10 minutes. That's what we want to get them. They're super comfortable on stage. The hosting part is, you know, making the audience comfortable, having jokes ready. And there's a little bit, um, like I said, more mentorship that needs to go into that hosting spot. And I think that's something that we can that definitely Dave can give to a comic mm -hmm. is a little bit more direction in that hosting spot. Um, and that's who he likes to have somebody host that he can, if they're interested, you know, not only trust, but to kind of mentor if they're interested in that. That's cool. I hosted for the record audience uh, this past weekend. You did. You did a great job. So, thank you. Thanks for that opportunity. Um, what, what other attributes do you look for? So someone who's trying to like work their way up in the community and like obviously progress. Are there any uh, specific attributes? Is there a type of comic that makes a better host than others? Or um, well, we, we the 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 key to hosting is to it's like inviting. You're inviting people. Imagine if you're having a party. The host welcomes the audience. 
tells them like where where things are like this is the restroom this is what's going to happen it's kind of the sherpa for the show or she um and they're going to take the comic or they're going to take the audience with them on this guide so you know having someone that is capable of doing that there has to be a likability factor that the comic has you have to have some interest so when you're looking at someone to pull from the open mic to progress up to the MC spot to eventually progress to some um, longer sets you're just looking for someone who has that desire to get better and like you just said earlier maybe they're not the most charismatic person they just need to get comfortable on stage and get that feeling of welcoming people of you know taking taking control of the show and starting it off on the right foot and that's who we're looking for someone who's going to take care of that audience yeah totally because it's a completely different skill set i mean one you have to cold open you have to in the beginning part combine logistics with segueing into your set uh bring up the other comics remember their credits remember their names right uh and there's kind of a lot that goes into it and then some uh uh crowd work helps for sure and it's the one it's a skill that's needed you're going to need it all in your stand-up career so if you are someone that eventually will be opening for a large act you might have to do a cold open at the paramount you might be called to do a cold open at the neptune for a name act you need to have these skills in your repertoire as a comic so that's an opportunity that we have that we can give to young comics here is to build that um, skill set early because it, it I don't think that there are you know the clubs that are here in Seattle currently I think the parlor has a house MC and then the underground uses um, I don't know if their structure but a lot of times like the manager I think opens their shows okay so it's there's a void like there's not that many this is a unique situation so we can give that opportunity to someone here so they can learn something yeah it's like if you'll get your comedy as a product it makes you more differentiated and valuable yeah and you can say i can host a show i know how i understand and you're gonna are there mistakes that are going to be made sure is this the place to maybe <laughs> figure those out sure before you're standing in a theater making a faux pas yeah. about how to host a show that way you can go anywhere and take that skill like a you know if the mc doesn't show up you can jump in and uh, take the reins early on. Awesome. Uh, so my next question is more about uh, the marketing and advertising your shows. Uh, I noticed your open mic's one of the most well-attended mics in Seattle. It has maybe, what, 50 people? Or maybe more, right? How, how many people do you think were here? To, there were a lot of people here tonight. It was busy. 50 to uh, 80 people. Yeah, 50 to 80 people at an open mic. So... That's what's really unique, I noticed, about uh, a smaller scene like Seattle compared to like L.A. or New York, where you're performing only in front of comics. There's a lot of value in having a real audience at the mic. Um, how do you guys bring an audience to the club? What's your... Well, when how we does this what happen? When we started in Kirkland, there was nobody at the open mic. So, um, you know, having... First of all, consistency is super important. We start on time. These are little things that go a long way. It's free is a huge part of it. Um, I think that the people that come into this come back. I think we have a lot of 
regulars on Wednesday night. Um, I think you'll find it's people that can come out during a weeknight. And so we've been on a Wednesday open mic for a long time, like eight years or something. So, so it continued back into Kirkland. Yeah, so you have a consistent audience. People bring people, which is important. And then the comics, the cool part about it is, that, say, for example, yourself, if someone says, hey, I want to come see you perform. I don't have a lot of money. Where can I see you? You can say for certainty that they can see you for free at the open mic every Wednesday. And you know that you're going to get a spot because you're a club regular. So you know, I'm not saying everybody, but you, Austin, know this to be true. Yes. So you're here on most open mics. So if you were out in the community, you would feel comfortable saying that, correct? Yeah. So that's that's one thing that I think goes a long way. So it's like people do know... The comics know that they can say, yeah, I usually go up on Wednesdays at the open mic. It's pretty cool. And you know that when you invite your friends, there will be an audience here. They're yeah. not going to be the only one at a bar show or being, you know, heckled by some regulars that are there to drink. Mm-hmm. It's a good jumping off point to invite people that maybe don't normally see stand up. Like mm-hmm. if you, oh, what are you doing for your spare time? I do stand up. Oh, where can I see you? You know, you can always see me on Wednesdays at the open mic. It's super chill. It's five bucks. You can... They can come late. It's five bucks if they come after 8.30, by the way. Okay. So, so free say, before 8.30. Yeah. So if they came in at 8.30 and they stayed for a half an hour, they could leave at nine. It's no big deal. They see like six comics. It's a good deal. Cool. So you think it kind of advertises itself? Just people yes. are bringing friends and... Uh, I have to uh, stick to the rules where you have to bring people if you... Are new to come. So a lot of it's the new people bringing people to. There's a yeah. There's a, some the, of the the experienced people such as yourself uh, entertain the disappointed people <laughs> that came to see your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the key to the what's Dave saying is that if you had a couple people that brought friends, then the comics that are like again working at it that are doing this on a regular basis can have an audience, a legitimate audience to bounce material off of. So it's a win-win for everybody. The comic that brought people get to go up in a great space with their friends to support them. And you guys get, um, an opportunity. Yeah. You get a real audience to bounce the stuff off of. And these are not just people that were forced in here because they thought this was, they were going to get some drinks at a bar and they were, yeah, totally. Like an ambush situation comedy show. Have you ever had that? Yeah, every comedy show. <laughs> like in LA and New York. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden a comedy show. Well, I'm usually I'm usually the comedy show that unfolds. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've seen ambush comedy shows like somebody's drunk in the front row and then all of a sudden there's a stage that's wielded and dropped in front of them. Yeah. And out of nowhere. Yeah, and they're like, Oh, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah, that happens a lot in LA. For sure, every restaurant becomes an open mic or bar, New York. Um, so cool. How about um? So I guess for larger shows, when you have the headlining comics, it, that also kind of sells itself, right? Like the That's headlining a little, comic. Um, you know, not always. I mean, there's we have um, many different ways that we market the weekend shows. Try try to put everything on Facebook on the events page. Any free listing online, like The Stranger, The Seattle Times. Um, I also have, uh, we've, Dave had set up these little business cards that are on all the table that we gather email addresses 
and we have a pretty good list after all these years. It's rebuilding actually in Seattle because you know we just kind of start over. But um, we have a nice little database, so I send a weekly email update. Um, sometimes I do pay, paid Facebook ads. Um, yeah, try to just Twitter. So mostly online marketing. Yeah, that that we did some newspaper article print, but it just didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. And radio no longer has interviews on. How much do you think it costs to advertise a show online for a given weekend? Probably it depends. Well, you can spend in any amount that you want. I've tried different budgets, anywhere from twenty-five to one hundred. It doesn't seem to make a difference. What have you noticed the um, point is of diminishing returns? Like what's the optimal amount of that you've maybe learned to spend on I advertising? I think 100 for the weekend is too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem to, to bring anything back. But we, unless it's a name act, like a big name act, most people buy the day of. So if you can kind of limit it down to running a short Facebook ad, that works for us. So it's mostly Facebook ads that you're putting the money into. The other things are free listings? Yeah. Got it. Do you ever use Google ads or just mostly Facebook? Facebook. Cool. Um, what's your philosophy on paying comics and how do like, what's the pay range from whether it be a host or a headliner or a feature? Like, How does it work at this club? Well, at this club, so the open mic is free and the comics are not compensated for that one other than, like you said, you could get maybe a regular spot, which is great. Thursday nights are self-produced shows and there's usually a, a, like a base split and that increases the more attendance that the show has. Mm-hmm. Um so that's a way for what would that split look like maybe like if there was if the place was sold out it might be a very generous split to the comic like 80 to 80 percent 90 percent and this is at the door yeah um so that's that's one if it's not as well attended even if the show's not well attended we always hold to a 50 50 split interesting so do you Pay the headliner a price up front for booking them and also pay them a door split? Or is it only on a door split? On the weekends, there are all different types of deals that are negotiated for a weekend. Usually, most common? It's usually a flat rate with hotel, air, and travel, meaning Uber or airport lifts or accommodations back and forth to the club uh, from the hotel. And then there's usually some sort of back-end bonus structure, and that can be wild. It just depends on wow. what, you know, what we can, you know, what it takes to get the deal done, basically. How much might it cost to bring a, you know, good touring comic to the club? Um, Maybe a few TV credits, but really not, not It really it, On it, the act. It, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, here's the thing with an agent and manager, you can offer it. You can always throw something out there. They'll tell you no. Most of them will give you an idea what they want. And it might have something to do. We might return with like, well, it's, you know, like, for example, it might cost you a little bit more to get somebody on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. than it is going to get you in July when it's slow. A lot of colleges are closed and things like that. And there's more comics available. So it's supply and demand. It really depends on, 
you know, what it's really wild, honestly. Are you guys able to profit from every show? Because I imagine like when you get big names like Hannibal Buress, for example, that's insane. I mean, I can't even imagine how much that costs. How I'm just trying to imagine how, how do you make money from something well, like that? Here's the thing. You, you, it's almost like a little bit of like gambling because no matter what, you've got to pay the comic. If you've agreed to a price. Yeah, you're locked in. You have to pay that. There's risk. They don't care if it snows. They don't care if the, the uh, Mariners are in the playoffs and everyone went to see that. You always pay. And when you win on the opposite, when something crazy happens, maybe a comic gets something crazy happens right before they club for the club uh, before they come to the club and they blow up and you sell a ton of tickets and there was no backside bonus structure um you win uh so there's wins and losses and never happened <laughs> <laughs> there have been a couple like you know you might win on don't like, lie <laughs> you might win on like valentine's day or something yeah you know like um or someone could call and say hey i want to have 40 friends come for my birthday and you're locked in and you got an early pre-sale yeah. or a corporate that wants to bring in a large group and they're going to lock down some tickets. Um, you just, you have some wins and your losses. You have to just hope that there's more wins in the column at the end of the year so, so you can stay profitable. So do you sell like um, bigger name tickets at like more of a premium then? Yeah, that's a good, with a name act, they negotiate the price as part of the contract. They know how Oh, many, the ticket price. Yes. They know how many seats we have. We tried lying. <laughs> Doesn't work. So they'll say, like, how many does the club hold? This is what the comic needs to make. This is how many tickets the comic thinks or we think they can sell. And then they do all the math and they say, okay, the ticket prices are going to be 15 or they're going to be 25. Or, you know, this is how we're, you know, that's, they set the, we kind of get dictated to it. The bigger the act the more dictation on the price. So it's almost like they already have a business model and you have seats. Yes. Interesting. That's cool. That's cool to know. So that brings me to what kind of advice would you give to young producers seeking to start a show? Um, young producers seeking to start a show. Um, have an original, unique concept. Um, run it professionally, uh, meaning that you have kind of everything lined up, like you know how you're going to – I would treat it like a business plan. You know, how where's your venue going to be? What is your ticket prices going to be? Um, how, who's going to be on the show? What's your original concept? And how are you going to market that event? Because, you know, the club might have a bit of a draw because people are coming like tourists or something, say, oh, I just want to see stand-up. But that wouldn't be something I would rely on. So no matter what venue you're going to choose as a young producer, I think you should have a marketing plan on who's going to appeal to that show that you're going to put together. Yeah, that makes sense. So just think of your audience and think of like what kind of differentiating factors are there for a stand-up show? Because it almost seems like pretty straightforward for a stand-up show. It's just like stand-up comedy. Well, how well, could one some, differentiate themselves? Well, like uh, Taylor Clark has a show here called Roommate Court. So they're using humor and some stand-up mixed into a different concept. It's not a straight stand-up show. How does it go? 
What's the premise um, of that show? He has a couple of uh, roommates come in and like it's have like a complaint. People's Court. It's kind of like People's Court, but the complaints are people that live together that have maybe a humorous, a humorous twist on like a home situation, and he interviews them, and they have like a like someone like not court. paying utilities or uh, okay, that's funny. not feeding the cat. Or, or someone stole someone's bong. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Some, um, so it's just a different original concept. And if you, I think, like you just said, most comics, com- most shows are just like, you know, comic after comic. But what can you, what unique twists? Because you can find that anywhere here in Seattle. And you, you have the uh, Young Tech show. Yeah, the Young Tech show. Yeah, yeah. so you're saying I'm going to appeal, I'm going to market this. So you're saying I'm going to market this to people in Young Tech, so I need to pair the comics such that they would appeal to that audience. Exactly. Yeah. For context, I run a show called Young Tech where I market to uh, young millennial people, just most maybe transplants and some Seattle folks that are you know working at big tech companies because we know Seattle's overrun by big tech. So that's kind of what that's about. But yeah, that was my thought process for that. Um, let me think. Um, oh yeah, sorry. So we, we kind of went off topic for um, paying comics to. So, beside, is there any payment for in, in your weekend shows for other comics besides headliner? At this point, the only person that is paid on the weekend is usually the headliner. Um, there are some circumstances where the headliner might bring somebody along and as part of their contract Uh but at this point there's no other paid spots on the weekend okay what's the because i know some other i feel like it's kind of common for clubs to pay i mean i guess it depends on where you are every there's every club has a different there's some common common threads but there are also a lot of differences so some clubs will have it's not uncommon for the headlining act to bring a feature with them okay it's very common and so the club may have that was something that we did not want to do because one thing that's a real barrier here in seattle is hotel rooms it's very expensive to house people so that was one thing that we knew going into it that we had to figure out how we were going to circumvent the that and then we are lucky here in Seattle that we have a lot of people that want to do stand-up so how to we how can we you know grow the club at being open just a little over a year and give opportunities to people and this is the 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 idea that we came up with will it be this way forever I don't know mm-hmm. um, but I know that we are busier than we were last year, which is good, but we're still not crazy busy. So yeah. how do we how do we give opportunities to people? I think right now there's it's here if people want it and it seems to be I, I want to use the word working, but I like the fact that if you're not doing something on a Saturday or Friday night and you want to pop in for a 10 minute set, you can be here by seven 30. You can be on stage by eight 30 and you can leave you can go do another show. And you, maybe you're working on a little joke and you can weave it in and see how it goes without having to do the open mic. Um, 
so I think there's there is something in it for everybody. The people that have been comics that have been supportive um, and have been coming out on the weekends, I think, see the benefit of being able to have that spot to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also are supportive of us. We have, you know, we do have spots that we did over the last summer where we did shows with local comedians. And we did, I think, almost 12 weeks of local shows where all the comics were paid. So there's lots of opportunity. Um, we're just going to work with the community and build it together. Cool. So um, what goes into running a comedy club? What kind of, like, what are your fixed costs? Like, what not what are they, but, like, what do they consist of? And what are your operating costs? We have of? our uh, food costs, labor costs. Uh, we got... Uh, uh, we have entertainment costs. We also have uh, uh, well, it, electricity and gas. It's just like running a restaurant and you have entertainment. There's twofold. So you have all the costs that come with running entertainment. Like I said earlier, the hotel, the air travel that you might have to cover for the comic, and those fees and all the marketing that goes into that weekly push. And then you also run a restaurant, so you've got all your food, liquor, beer, wine, staff. How much staff do you have? We have a pretty small crew right now. I think we have less than six um, full-time people, or not full-time, but like people. And then we have a lot of, um, I try to keep a strong relationship with people that maybe moved on to okay. other jobs and then if we have big shows we can bring them back in what are the roles for the staff what kind of staff do you need to run this club you would need um, um, a manager to like to kind of house the talent which is Dave you need a bartender a door host maybe a seater kitchen staff and um, servers wow so did you have so I guess Dave had management experience did you also have experience coming into this yeah. So it was yeah. learn along the way. Yeah, it's a lot of learn along the way. A lot of mistakes. Interesting. So uh, this is a pretty big venue. Do you guys own the building or do you no, guys rent it? We rent. Okay. So that's another cost. Yeah. Well, From the craziest motherfucker. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we rent. But yeah, you have any place you're going to have. Even if you own, you might be paying a mortgage or whatever. So you're going to have. And property taxes, um, yeah, a lot of taxes. There's a lot that go that goes into it. A lot. A lot. A lot more you think. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a business. That's why I shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> Dave doesn't pay any bills. <laughs> so do you do most of who do, do you do most of the accounting stuff? Yes. Are you leaving? Yeah. On my birthday. Did you and Nicole just clocked off? Nicole is clocking off. She got her payroll check. She's excited. I listened to my secretary. Okay. And she's leaving. She needs something. Cool. Okay. I mean, I can cut. Bye, Nicole. Cool. I think when you were asking about costs, one thing that was um, suggested is by our partner Terry when we opened here was that we each have very defined roles and I think that that has actually been helpful is 
try not to step on each other's toes because the staff will treat you like parents. If they don't get the answer they want from one of us, they'll go to the other. That's happened in the past. So what's the division among you three? Um, well, Terry's gone. He did the bookkeeping and then I took over that and he also did all the liquor inventory. Um, so Dave is the sole booker of the club. Dave decides what comics go on stage. He opens the shows. He runs the open mic. Um, he's I get a, all the food and the beverage. Yeah. And, he, and he goes each week, he uh, does inventory and then collects and purchases all the food and beverage for the club. Um, I do more of accounting and then the marketing stuff and handle like payroll and stuff like that and scheduling employees. Okay. So how do you, do you guys profit split three ways or do you reinvest a certain amount into the club how do you do that where what profit seriously that's i mean like i i, I can't answer that question now until i have a check <laughs> really i mean we're still early we're still so as, as i do this for a reason for being yeah that's it dave needs a reason to get up and go come to some place. So this is your full-time gig or no? Dave's full-time gig. I work during the day. Okay. So I work during the day and then I have a day job and then Dave comes here. So, um, this keeps me from being bedridden. Yeah. This is keeping Dave alive. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I have to a sense of purpose. I mean, I think that, well, there's a good chance to, um, there's it's nothing the really, there's nothing really, Honestly, there wouldn't be much to reinvest other than what we've already put in to get back out. Uh -huh. So there's really at this point, I mean, we might do some reinvesting, like maybe I'd like to, Dave and I would like to change the backdrop on the stage. Yeah. But I mean, I don't see us changing the carpet or the chairs or anything like that. There's not much to reinvest in here. So this is almost like, a, it's like a passion project. It's, yeah, there's, a, I mean, we are a for-profit business, but um, it's not, you know, we're not at the point right now where we're um, taking a lot of profit. I hope that changes. I want to yeah. be, and I think that, I think that's one thing that's been a differentiating for us for the comics is that we've had a lot of support and people, I think they realize what we're, you know, integrity and helping the community is one thing um and sometimes i have to think about this is that we're running a business and i want to take care of everybody but i also want to do it with integrity yeah and you know there are some shortcuts that we could take and put that money in our pocket but i just wouldn't feel good at the end of the night mm -hmm. and that's part you know like one thing that we could change would be that we have candles on all the table that might sound stupid i might say well that's well, the candles, just have candles on all the tables cost $50 a week to, to light all those candles. Wow. But we also want to make the experience special. Like you came here, you brought a date and a candle that's something small, but it feels intimate. Mm -hmm. We actually, that was a really stupid thing that we went toe to toe with, with our business partner. He didn't want candles as it's, that's. It does change the vibe though. That's $2,600 a year in candles that you could think about putting directly into your pocket. Wow. But 
does it change the mood in here? Does it give people a feeling of something intimate? And we pushed hard for candles. That's cool. So you guys do it for the love of the comedy. Mm-hmm. Well, for the love of the game. <laughs> the love of the game. Well, I, it's a movie too. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And also, you know, we, um, we're both. I'm working here too, so that's been also a little bit of an extra. You know, we're able to. I'm able to fill in as an employee, even though I don't draw a paycheck to kind of add to the bottom line yeah to hopefully get to us to a point where we can maybe i won't have to do that forever same here yeah maybe dave won't have to be that spot every we have a manager i get i get seat people for free he could seat people for free that's true yeah and then maybe someday when we become profitable we can manage it from our house or from our luxury condo that would be great. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you guys want to like plug? Any shows that you want to maybe mention? Or um, well, by the time you uh, get this, but when are you getting this? Tomorrow. Post? Oh, get. We're gonna try and post it tomorrow. Uh, well then, ideally, I'm not feeling this, but Andrew Dorelli is next week. I would recommend Andrew Dorelli next week. Okay, great. Cool. So what's the date for that? Uh, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day weekend. A big day for comedy. Big day. Yeah. People love to come see comedy on St. Patrick's Day. Great. A national comedy holiday. I'm going to wear a green shirt. And you'll be wearing a green shirt. So come on down. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Cha Bros. C-H-A-A Bros. One word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.